Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversations With. In the summer of 2021, the Supreme Court ruled on a case called NCAA versus Austin. In essence, it opened the door for collegiate amateur athletes to benefit monetarily from their names, image, and likeness. It is now more commonly known as NIL. It has changed the dynamic of collegiate sports and collegiate athletics will never be as we once knew it. The term amateur may also need an overhaul, but that's a completely separate conversation. To get a better handle on NIL, we decided to go to someone who is on the ground floor. His name is Jared Wangler. You may remember the name. He played for the Wolverines under Jim Harbaugh, and his dad, John, is a legendary quarterback for Michigan. Well, Jared graduated from Michigan and saw himself moving toward a career as a sports agent attorney. Then came the Supreme Court and NIL. Jared smartly anticipated opportunities, and he dove into the deep end of NIL representation. The whole NIL landscape is hard to explain and hard to navigate because there are really no rules. The rules are kind of being made up as they go along, and nobody is regulating anyone, and it's a bit of a free-for-all. Jared has been in the middle of it since it got off the ground. He sees the good, the bad, and the 20 different directions it could wind up going. So are you ready for some NIL talk? Are you ready to find out how high school athletes can sign deals for millions of dollars to attend a university when they haven't even been admitted yet? That's our new reality. So let's catch up with that reality in my conversation with Jared Wangler. When you went to school, did you think I'm going to be involved in doing name, image, and likeness deals when you graduated as a football player from Michigan, Jared? That's a great question, Jim. Uh, I look back on it. I don't think anybody graduating in 2019 from any university having played collegiate athletics uh, would have expected themselves to be managing sports marketing deals, helping structure a collective, which is a completely foreign concept really up until about a year and a half ago. Did not foresee that. Knew I wanted to be in the space of, of representing athletes and really saw my path potentially being more so on the NFL side, uh, helping negotiate and, and represent athletes there. But uh, being 27 years old, recently graduated, and having a strong passion for helping people, incredible opportunity, and I'm just loving every bit of it. That's the thing that I think is interesting is that when you went to school, you weren't necessarily looking to be a sports agent. I mean, it was something that was on your mind, but you also went to school with the other ideas in mind of what you were going to do after you graduated, right? Enrolled at Michigan in 2014 with an interest in business. Uh, wasn't quite sure where that would lead me. And like many bright-eyed, bushy-tailed freshmen, I applied to the business school. Uh, calculus wasn't my friend by my first semester. Didn't end up getting admitted to, to the Ross School of Business. Uh, looked at psychology as a, as a great avenue, uh, something I was interested in, the uh, family history and, and mental illness and just a, a really strong uh, passion for understanding human psychology. I, I took that route. I knew I wanted to be in business, potentially um, see where that route would, would land me. And at a, at a point, it just kind of became clear I wanted to be in sports. Um, I wanted to stick with the uh, athlete representation space. And so after I graduated, I moved out to Chicago and took an unpaid internship with a sports agency out there and really just kind of 
wanted to learn the space. I had a great mentor, still do a great mentor, and uh, an individual, Mike McCartney, who was kind of just showing me the ropes, um, was connected with Mike through a mutual connection. He's, uh, his father is Bill McCartney, who uh, was on staff and my dad played football at Michigan. So was able to, to draw that connection and, and really learn under him and have a great mentor-mentee relationship. And Mike encouraged me to move back to Michigan and start my MBA. Um, that is a, a prerequisite for the NFL PA exam is to have some sort of postgraduate degree. Uh-huh. So I decided to start my MBA in the fall of 2020. And around that time, the, the writing was on the wall for some sort of shakeup in collegiate athletics. People started talking about this concept of name image likeness. There was this Alston versus NCAA case. And so I just followed it closely because I knew I wanted to be in the athlete representation space. And I thought my pathway there would be to finish my MBA, sit the NFLPA exam, become an on-field agent. But as I was watching this unfold, I really decided to sink my teeth into it to learn, to find some more uh, mentors in the space. And it, it landed on us starting a sports marketing agency based out of Ann Arbor, uh, based off the premise that we were reading that schools, universities would not be enabled to facilitate NIL transactions. So the thought process being, uh, there should be an entity here that's acting on behalf of the student athletes. So started value management group in the spring of 2021 and it's sort of snowballed into uh, you know a very exciting and, and interesting industry to be in you talked about a connection and a connection in Chicago with Mike McCartney what did your football playing days this is the other part I wanted to get to football experience at the University of Michigan prepare you for where you are now I'd say the number one thing is accountability. Uh, it, it, it sounds sort of cliche, but playing for Coach Harbaugh, I mean, it's really quite simple what he instilled. It's, it's integrity, it's, it's competition, and it's accountability. And um, one of the main things that resonates with me is, um, you know, just hearing him say how you do anything is how you do everything. So being in the sports representation industry and working with, now young athletes, right? Athletes 18 to 21, 22 years old. I found it really important to have a strong sense of accountability and integrity in everything that you do. So I've carried a lot of those facets over from my experience with Michigan football. And I feel like it's laid a really strong foundation in my business career. And I I draw back on a lot of the lessons that I learned from playing uh, for such a great institution, um, really doing my best to uphold the standard that it means to be a Michigan football player and sort of carry that with me into this next phase of my career. The other part of that equation that I've found and most other players have found is that we as former Michigan players with the emphasis on teamwork understand working with others and creating a situation where a group of people go to a goal and get to that goal. And it doesn't matter who gets the credit. It's about getting to the goal. And teamwork, I've found, has been extremely important. Have you found that same thing? Absolutely. Um, Especially just through the lens of um, my career thus far, just being in a new dynamic industry, um, I found it really empowering to be in the room with great business leaders that are also very passionate about helping Michigan and wanting to see Michigan succeed in this new post-amateurism model of collegiate athletics. 
being able to build a team because yeah, I know that I don't have all the answers and I appreciate when I walk into a room with some of my partners and individuals that we're working with and they're confident enough to say, Hey, I don't have all the answers, but I know I'm strong in this area and I can bring this expertise to the table to help Michigan. And when you have a group of individuals doing that, you're able to advance the ball so much further than one individual thinking that they have all of the skills and tools necessary to move forward. So that concept of teamwork is incredibly important, obviously in sports. And it's even more exciting to see that implemented in the business world as everyone is kind of working towards one common goal together. And you know, you had another mentor too, uh, your dad. I mean, he got out of the University of Michigan, big name, uh, made some great plays in his day, is legendary, and you had to live in that shadow. But he also then went ahead and started a business locally in the apparel business and has done extremely well. And I know that you go to him uh, for some advice, I'm sure, as you've moved forward in this NIL business, this representation business. What's been his advice as you've moved forward? Well, you actually hit on the head. I mean, my father is – uh, if not, he is the most important figure in my life. And growing up, it was always like fascinating to me because uh, going to Michigan football games as a kid, it's like a religion. And you meet so many individuals and they say, oh, you know, your father was a great football player here. Uh, I really appreciate him as a teammate. And for myself growing up, I always saw my dad on the day-to-day, right? There, there's not a whole lot of film, uh, believe it or not, from <laughs> 1976 or 81. No, I know. Black and white. So, you know, I, I, you know, I know of, uh, obviously, I, I've seen you know, some of the clips of, of his playing career, but I never really looked at him as a football player growing up. I, I looked at him as my dad. And I also saw him actually more as a businessman first than a football player. And so growing up, I always just admired the way that, he was able to build teams around him for the businesses that he's created and that he's running. And that always inspired me because I always saw the way he treated the most, I guess, senior person in the room all the way down to maybe the low man on the totem pole. And he treated them all with the same level of respect and dignity. And so that's something that I always try to carry over into my career. And I'd say when it comes to advice, I mean, he, he knows – that I carry a lot of the same traits that he does just in terms of, of work ethic. Um, yeah, I, I grew up, I watched the man work seven days a week for his businesses, long hour days, business trips, really kind of being um, sort of obsessed, right? Building businesses and, and trying to uh, create something special to solve problems. And so his biggest advice to me is always, you know, make sure you're waking up and you're excited and, and, and happy uh, about what you're doing. Um, there's really no sense to uh, working a job that you sort of resent. Uh, it should be something that you're passionate in. So that's uh, that's partly what gets me so excited every day to wake up is I know I found something I'm extremely passionate in. I'm able to mix um, the aspects of my life that mean the most to me, which is the University of Michigan, which has done so much for myself and my family beyond words can describe. Uh, being able to work in sports, which Growing up, sports was like a religion to me. It's, it's you know what I what I did. It's kind of uh, part of my identity, and then it's able to work with people. I love being able to just be out there and make a difference in people's lives, and all of those together is, is really exciting because it's this nascent industry that's kind of evolving and taking shape, and nobody really knows where it's going to land. 
but being able to have a great mentor and somebody that I can kind of look up to and call at the end of the day and ask for advice when times are tough, it's, uh, it's really special to me. You're a couple of years in to the Valiant Management uh, Company. You're a CEO, and it's an NIL deal. You're dealing with collegiate athletes, and yet you just said nobody knows where it's going to land. Let's go back to when you first started, and it was kind of in its infancy. Why in the world, and you're coming from a sports agency business and saying, I'm going to jump into the deep end in something we don't know where it's going and kind of swim along and try to find out. That had to be a daunting task. Yeah, I mean, it was something that I, I kind of look back on very fondly because I came from working an unpaid internship out in Chicago, moving back, starting my MBA. Um, we had our Valiant Apparel line of business, but I mean, it was during COVID. There were no fans in the stands, so that means nobody was really buying Michigan products. So it wasn't really like I had a salary at all. And so I was kind of just, you know, there at 24 years old at the time, really just looking for, you know, what, what, what can I, what can I do at this time? I'm learning, I'm, I'm taking classes, but what can I do to like sharpen my, my toolkit? I just wanted to get out there and, and make a difference and to just get active. And so the idea really just came from sinking my teeth in the NIL, following the policy, seeing where there were holes in the system. And the number one hole that I saw was that universities will not be allowed to facilitate NIL transactions. So started, I, I knew NIL was really sports marketing for college athletes. It gave the athletes to, the, the right to their own publicity. So right off the bat, we hit the ground running with a group licensing program for University of Michigan student athletes. So Michigan, it, you know, for what, Whatever the, the, the naysayers and the haters out there about how Michigan has handled NIL, um, it is one of the most progressive schools from the start, being able to enable a group licensing program where the athletes are able to monetize their name and likeness through jersey sales. So I, I remember vividly being in the MDEN in, I want to say it was like May of 2021, so a couple months before the rule changed, and I'm in there with Scott Hurth, the owner, who's done so much for the, for the University of Michigan in terms of um, being able to be on the forefront of NIL. And we were sitting there um, at their warehouse and staring at about 8,000 blank Nike jerseys. And traditionally, you know, those are being sold in the stadium. Um, obviously, coming out of COVID, there were no fans in the stadium. So sitting there, blank jerseys. And I was just, hey, Scott, we've got this rule change coming. And you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the athletes will be able to start monetizing their own name image and likeness why don't we set up a program where the players can earn some money off of their jersey sales? So we were able to put that in place. Uh, NIL came into effect July 1st of 2021. Within three days after that rule change, we had our group licensing program off the ground and felt like we really made a splash in the space. Uh, grabbed some national media attention around it. And it really kind of served as the foundation to a strong NIL program at Michigan. So the way I look at NIL, like, that is, it's pure form. It's sports marketing for collegiate athletes. It's their jersey sales, it's trading cards, it's bobbleheads, it's endorsement deals, it's signing events. It's pretty much everything that professional athletes have been able to enjoy for so long, college athletes now get to enjoy it. Now, yeah. the whole other side is yeah, <laughs> it's this, probably what we're going to get to, well, collectives, right? That's so. the next question was, okay, now we get into the philosophical side. And that is their student-athletes. Uh, and you believe that Jim Harbaugh has even said that 
his take on NIL, it should be transformational, not transactional. The big word from the national media is a kid out of high school signs a $3.3 million deal to play somewhere, and off he goes. And just recently in the news, we've had this youngster from Florida who was signed with Florida. Florida couldn't deliver uh, on their promises, so he had to go and went to Arizona State, and they're delivering on some other deal that the young man has made. He hasn't played it down. He hasn't even graduated high school yet. Those are the things that I think the mass fan base of collegiate athletics is wondering, where is this going? You're in the middle of all this, Jared. What do you say to all of that? Is that the bad part, but you're dealing with the part that is advantageous and I think positive for young college athletes who are student athletes? I will say that style of recruiting has existed for decades now. And there's been a lot of under the table transactions to induce a high school student athlete to attend a certain institution. And I really don't see that slowing down or changing. I do believe that this rule change, it amplifies that sort of transactional type of recruiting process. And I do believe it'll exist forever, right? That's just kind of the nature of recruiting. Maybe what it's but, done is just put it out into the open. Exactly. I mean, that's, I think uh, in a way there are individuals out there you know, putting it on the open and really testing to see if the NCAA will try to take a step forward to enforce something. That is like the whole underbelly side of NIL that I do believe the majority of the fan base is just isn't fully informed on. There is a ton of activity now of collectives in, in across college sports where it's a, a group of donors funneling their money into one entity and then that entity serving as sort of a kind of way to entice recruits to come to the university with guaranteed NIL contracts. So that part of it is very active right now. I would say that is like the number one thing there that needs to be regulated. And I'm not even confident that the NCA can do it at their level. I do believe it's going to come down to the conferences to come together and find a way to regulate that. But in the next three to five years, I, I see some sort of revenue sharing model being in place for especially football and then basketball and maybe a, a handful of other sports on campus. Um, I do believe that the TV contracts have gotten so big. There's a ton of money in the merchandising space that there will be a day where some of that money is flowing to the student athlete. So that's where I envision this space being in three to five years. Um, I'm confident that third party entities in each market will exist to help support and represent the student athletes for their best interest when they go into some potential collective bargaining type of, um, type of model. So that's sort of where I'd like to position Valiant to be as, as an entity known um, that is in the space and it's, it's positioned to represent and support Michigan student athletes in this post amateurism model of collegiate athletics. Yeah. Maybe this next question is, is not so much about, NIL, but about, again, philosophy and the collegiate athletic experience. Throughout what we've just talked about, we've talked about name, image, and likeness, money, uh, enticing a young man to come to school. And back in the day, and this is, again, where an older generation of football fan or collegiate athletic fan says, 
usually what enticed a young man or woman to go to school was the opportunity to get an education and a degree and then move on afterwards and get a job. I think what people are worried about is when you lose the educational component in this whole deal, it almost goes away from any kind of amateur idea of playing for the good old maize and blue or the good old scarlet and gray, and it's about playing for the green no matter who your school colors are. Right. That's a great point, and I feel like it still comes down to having great leadership at your institution. When you have individuals like Jim Harbaugh, Jawan Howard, Kim Barnes, Rico, Ward Manuel, I mean, just to name a few, there are incredible figures here on campus at Michigan. I feel like it's more important now than ever to have those individuals instilling the importance of an education. When you look around the country and you're starting to see these large contracts being put in front of high school student athletes to attend a university, it becomes about a dollar amount. And I do believe that the general philosophy here at Michigan is that if you're going to pay someone to attend your institution, there's really nothing holding them in place to stay at that institution, right? They may make a decision to leave the institution based off of money then. Right. When it, when it, when it comes down to how it's been structured at Michigan thus far is that we really do want it to be a transformational experience. There should still be the sense of coming in and earning it rather than getting paid without even playing a snap or, 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 or contributing on the field or developing as an individual in the community or furthering your, your, your opportunity to achieve a degree from the university. So I'm appreciative of the moral compass that, that Michigan has set and the standard that Michigan has set. And we're following that compass as, as an agency and as a group that's helped set up a collective at the institution. I just can't speak for how other universities are handling it because they have a separate set of leadership that may have different values. We, we understand that winning in college sports drives a lot of eyeballs to institutions. It drives a lot of money. And so it is, uh, it's difficult to cast a stone at the way other institutions are doing it. But I'm appreciative of the way Michigan's doing it. I do believe they're, they're setting standards still, uh, and they're doing their best to encourage evolution both on and off the playing field for the student-athletes. You and I both know that it's a very fine line that this NIL is walking between education and professional athletics. Do you see going forward those who have and those who have not collegiate athletic experience out there, the haves and the have-nots, and that we're always going to see the same guys in the championship games because they're getting the best players? And that's a great question. I don't know if NIL is actually maybe the reason um, that we have have and have not. I'd say over the last 20 years, you've really started to see the evolution of at least collegiate football, where there is a high concentration of where the championships are being won. And it's pretty well known that NIL has taken place in those areas for quite some time. Yep. I will say that, especially now with the transfer portal, um, you know, that's to be seen on how that is regulated in the future, but you still have the ability to recruit the type of players, the student athlete that fits your program. And if you need to fill holes or, or, or maybe attract um, some more senior type talent, you can go into the transfer portal and maybe some of those student athletes in their high school recruiting process fell prey to some of the promises that are being made through NIL and maybe seize an opportunity to 
attend an institution like Michigan that puts import puts emphasis on other aspects outside of just you know, what you can do on the field. You know, maybe they want to achieve a better education. They want to expand their network. I feel like all those pieces are important. But when you look at the big picture, NIL has taken place for a while in certain parts of the country. I do believe it is a net positive for the University of Michigan as it pertains to attracting high-level talent around the country. Right. Because now we're not quite, not so quite like fighting with one arm behind our back. Because in the past, college athletes, they were making zero dollars at the University of Michigan and a lot of other places around the country they were making a decent, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but substantial money um, through under the table NIL before it was legal. So I do think it's a net positive for Michigan and it helps level the playing field in a lot of aspects. Is it a net positive for collegiate athletics in general, do you think, this whole new NIL? Absolutely. I, I really do believe that in my core. I believe it unlocks the entrepreneurial spirit of so many student athletes out there. I believe that it gives a, a significant chunk of families who were struggling to send their children to school and pay for some of those expenses um, to have some of that offset by NIL earning opportunities. There's a, a, a significant amount of great stories, even here at the University of Michigan, of, of, of walk-ons being able to pay off their student debt because of NIL. And I just look back at my time at Michigan, and I remember starting a business in my junior year and consistently being dinged by compliance saying, hey, you're not allowed to promote your own business on your social media. You can't do that. You're an amateur. You're an amateur. And I remember sitting there, just, myself, uh, you know, special teams player, fullback kind of kind of player. wasn't one of the star names on the team. I was like, I, I'm really invested in building my own business, and I love the aspect of being an entrepreneur. But I'm not even allowed to promote it on my own social media channels when any other student on campus can do that. So I feel like that's, uh, you know, kind of an issue there, right? So I do believe it's a net positive. It, it just unlocks so many different opportunities for student athletes. I just really at my core am urging, uh, whether it's the, the federal government, whether it's the, it's the state legislature, whether it's the conferences to come together to regulate this more and also through the institutions to provide more education for the student athletes. So like there's a, a more of a need now than ever for great mentors and men mentors in the space that are helping out with financial advice, tax advice, general sports agency advice, just people that are able to help manage this for the student athletes, because there's a significant amount of them that come from lower socioeconomic areas that don't have the family support system to help manage it. And so I do believe that it's a net positive, but it's going to take some time to regulate this. You talked about regulation and that was my next question. You're a great interview because you're leading me right along the way. You're in the wild, wild West right now in this NIL deal. Cause there are no regulations. There really isn't any governing body. You're doing it day to day, kind of making it up as it goes along and reacting to other people doing certain things. For instance, you came up with a great idea called a collective and you've got the champion circle and it was a wonderful idea and it helped the university of Michigan out beautifully, but there are other people out there doing all kinds of things. So what does the regulatory body have to be? Is it something that has to be through, let's face it, the NCAA is a toothless organization. It doesn't really right. have any power anymore. And I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Conferences are probably going to ultimately run the show here pretty soon, especially in the major revenue producing sports. Where does the regulation come from? 
and how do you keep the rules similar for everybody so everybody's playing from a level playing field? Right, and that's, and that's a great question. And that's something from someone that's working in this day-to-day, I mean, we have a team of, of about 10 now at Valiant that is just at this day in and day out trying to build the most sustainable, ethical, and best model for the University of Michigan. And when you look at it, right, the, the NCA it, it's not above the law, right? And, and you look back into the 2021 court ruling, I believe the quote was like, nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay the worker a fair market rate on the theory that the product is defined by not paying the workers a fair market rate. Right? So it's just interesting to see like the federal government kind of come down on the NCAA and, and strike down that amateurism model. And it puts them in a position now where they can come out with updated guidance. They can try to tell the actors in the space how to behave and what to do, but there's not an enforcement mechanism. And when you are operating in a space like that, where there are no enforcement mechanisms, people are going to take this thing as far as they can take it before the stove gets hot. And so to me, the conferences are the ones that are going to be able to reshape collegiate athletics from the revenue generating sports model and find a way to kind of regulate this and pull it in. I, I truthfully, you know, to this day, I believe there needs to be an enforcement mechanism, but it won't be from the NCA. I believe it's going to be something either from the conference or the federal government will be the ones to step in and help shape the future of collegiate athletics. Okay, you said you've got a group of 10 people that are working on this daily. And do you have specifics of what are the problem areas that you're kind of running up and, you know, ramming your head into as you go forward with, you're trying to grow your business and, and, and the competitor is out there doing something else. Do you have any specifics on what obstacles you're running into as you go along? It's got to be daily, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, it's a difficult question to answer because we feel like we've made it. A ton of progress as, as this startup company building something that, you know, in our eyes, we we are hoping to solve a problem for the University of Michigan and to be a, a go-to service for the University of Michigan student athletes. And we've taken our business from in 2021, we paid out four hundred thousand dollars to student athletes, and since then, we've eclipsed the five million dollar mark in paying out to Michigan student athletes through NIL. And so we're very proud of that number. It doesn't really get talked about in the media. I do feel like at the University of Michigan, the, the, you know, the, the general fan base just loves to always have something to complain about. And NIL is kind of like the whipping, whipping stick right now. Um, we're obviously up against a market where other universities are not playing by the rules, right? Uh, obviously, people equate NIL to recruiting pretty much like that's like a standard. The way we viewed NIL is for the current student athlete, right? We are totally unequivocally focused on finding opportunities to compensate the current student athletes in Michigan. So you're not involved in the, the, the high school seniors that are coming in. They, they've no. got to enroll and be on a, on a varsity team uh, before your opportunities or before Valiant has an ability to say to them, these are some of your opportunities. Is that accurate? The, absolutely. And where this is kind of taken though is that other institutions around the country are in the space where they're actively offering contracts now in writing to prospective student athletes. If you attend this institution, here's how much you will make through NIL and through our collective. And so I'd say that is the number one thing 
that we feel like we're up against and we don't have much say over. And we, you know, we hear from the coaching staff. We feel like they're in a very vulnerable position because they you know, fight tooth and nail on the recruiting trail for some of these top prospects around the country. They feel like they get down to the final count and then it becomes about NIL, right? And then it becomes about, hey, school X is offering me this. Can I have at least some guarantee that I'll make Y, right? And so we're in this position where we feel helpless, right? We can't help coaches give guaranteed marketing NIL deals to high school recruits. We can only tell them, hey, this is what's in place at Michigan. Uh, these are the types of opportunities that exist. And, you know, we, we hope that it, the coaches, you know, they, they can emulate that and they can sort of land prospect. But a lot of times it's just not right. It's, it's, and it's difficult to cast stones at, uh, at families that may come from not the most sound background to say, Hey, don't take that guaranteed money at this other prestigious institution right? Come here, bet on yourself. Sometimes that story doesn't land. Sometimes it does. And those are the individuals that at this, at this juncture, you know, where Michigan is attracted to and then are attracted to Michigan. But it is a, it is a difficult development in collegiate athletics um, as NIL has made that style of recruiting more prevalent. Jared, you've been great. I wanted to do this NIL thing, and you're the perfect guy for it, and your answers have been great, and you've been candid, and I appreciate it. But i got three last questions for you. Where's the money coming from for a lot of this stuff? And I like it to the two Bs. There's business and boosters, and boosters seem to have a negative connotation. Yeah, that's a great question because around the country, you're just seeing different business models sprout up, and that's kind of been the exciting thing about NIL is that, like, pretty much every collective or agency working out in the market, they all are kind of a startup in a way, and they're all developing their own business model. So for the like 5 million plus in NIL deals we've done so far, all of them are legitimate NIL deals. There's legitimate quid pro quo from the student athlete and with the company that they're working with for that NIL transaction. The bulk of NIL activity that we do is through the group licensing programs with the MDEN. So you're looking at jersey sales, jersey t-shirt sales, trading cards, bobbleheads, calendars, team t-shirts. That's all kind of one bucket that student athletes are earning NIL dollars through. And then you have endorsements, which is traditional sports marketing. That's where you have an athlete or a group of athletes doing some sort of marketing campaign for a brand. And so those are really like the main kind of functions. Obviously, a signing events and their public appearances all of those are legitimate NIL transactions and Valiant Management Group serves as sort of the deal maker for that. Now, when you look at how the collective at Michigan plays a role in that, we're able to utilize collective dollars to sort of amplify existing marketing deals. So in a, a sense where there's a, a signing event for a group of student athletes or a fan engagement event for a group of student athletes, we put one on um, in December where we had football players present. We had women's gymnastics um, attendance. We had um, wrestling in attendance. We were able to pull from the collective to compensate the student athlete for being present at the event. And pulling from the collective, where does that money from the collective come from? The money in the collective comes from Michigan alumni that want to see Michigan succeed in this post-amateurism era of collegiate athletics. So we have a, a, a pretty strong group 
of founding donors, I would say, that really believed in this model and believed in us to sort of get this off the ground and are helping sort of shape this, um, this new world of, of NIL for Michigan athletics. So that, that comes from contributions from donors. Um, there's a sort of like a, uh, an offering for top high level donors. There is an offering sort of from like the middle tier medium donors. And then there's sort of what we call kind of like the crowdfunding aspect, which are your everyday Michigan fans that can find ways to support. So really when you look at it, it's, you know, no pun intended, but like the collective of the Michigan ecosystem, we're looking to sort of tap into to raise money for our student athletes and to be able to complement them through NIL deals where there's legitimate quid pro quo and they have a significant earning potential here for the student athletes that are at Michigan doing things the right way that are already enrolled and that are here for the right reasons. Is a degree from the University of Michigan as important as it used to be for a student athlete? And I, I think it is, but to, to some students, they're making more money maybe than they would after they get out of, get out of school and get a job. I, I just that's the one point, and it's probably more philosophical than anything, isn't it? Definitely. And I was saying that, and right now more than ever, it is more important to have a Michigan degree, right? When you look at NIL, it's not like the NFL or the NBA, right? You're, they're not going to be able to retire off of their NIL earnings. It's a great jump start. It, for so many student athletes, it's helping them leave college debt free. And it's helping, really, you'd say like the 1% of athletes develop a very strong foundation for building wealth over the long term. But having that Michigan degree is so, so important, not only to build a foundation of knowledge for whatever career field that the student athletes will enter into after they graduate, but also for the network. I feel like the, the number one thing that I've learned in my experience with Valley Management Group and helping set up the Collection of Michigan is that we have by far and away one of the most engaged, exciting, and impressive alumni networks in the world. It, 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 I, I really don't know who else can compare it to it. There are so many successful business men and women, entrepreneurs that are so excited to come back and mentor Michigan graduates. And so that's been the most exciting thing to me and most fulfilling thing to me is to really sort of kind of immerse myself in that network and to be able to connect some of our clients and student athletes that we work with, with some of the alumni that have chosen to support NIL at Michigan. There are uh, more internship opportunities now than ever with some of these alumni that are, that are involved. Um, it's super impactful for the student athletes. They're able to earn some money through NIL with some of these internship programs. They're also able to just have real applicable work and an internship experience that they'll be able to take with them postgraduate, whoever career field that they enter. So in your opinion, uh, even though the student athletes are getting paid, that degree is still really important to take with them after their collegiate experience in athletics is over with. Absolutely. I mean, you can put a number on a lot of these NIL deals. You cannot put a number on a degree from the university of Michigan. It still holds an immense, immense weight in the, in the real world. And so I encourage every student athlete out there to really put an emphasis on obtaining your degree, focusing on, on, on finding the right mentors along the way and to really use your knowledge in the classroom and apply it once you're real out to the real world. Jared, I can't tell you how many people out there appreciate that answer and are now, I think much more comfortable with the idea 
of NIL for collegiate athletes. Last question. In 20 years, where is collegiate athletics? Uh, is it headed toward, and again, I don't want to sound negative, but is it headed toward being a pro-am type of system or being a minor league type of system? It's a great question. And I think my answer may upset some of the traditionalists out there. But I do believe that in the next 15, 20 years, you'll see a much more regulated and polished model of a professional-like league out there. Um, I just, college sports has become so commercialized over the years. I mean, you can't look at these TV contracts and stop yourself to think that there needs to be some sort of equitable split. I mean, you've already seen it kind of rear its ugly head with some coaching salaries. And I have nothing against college football coaches earning eight-figure salaries. I I mean, if that's the market rate, that's the market rate. But those same coaches I have an issue with when they're coming on the podium and complaining about college athletes earning money or being bought to go to other schools based off of the market rate. So I just believe that there will be a revenue-sharing model somewhere here in the near future. I still, to my core, hope college athletics maintain just that level of delicacy and appreciation for being what it is and being, you know, more pure in a sense than um, traditional pro sports. But I just believe that it's been commercialized so much and that it's going to continue to move in a direction that looks a little bit more like a pro league than an antiquated amateur, amateur model, which was completely inequitable and just is a thing of the past at this point. So the ball definitely needs to move forward. It needs to be done in a way that has the student athletes best interest in mind and not some of the other parties at the table. So that's, that's my thought on where this will end. Jared, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate your time and appreciate your candor and appreciate your expertise on a part of collegiate athletics that we still don't fully understand. I don't think we will for a while, but it's the world we live in. And I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Jim, I appreciate you having me on. It was a pleasure. And, you know, thank you so much to just be able to tell the story of Valiant and just talk about how much the University of Michigan means to us as a group and, and to me personally. So thank you. Thanks for joining us today on Conversations With. You're more than welcome to go back and listen to past episodes of some of the conversations I've had with athletes, newsmakers, and personalities that have been kind enough to join me on Conversations With. I also invite you to go to my website, jimbrandstatter.com, and explore my blogs and other activities. Just as a heads up, I enjoy cooking, reading, and photography to name a few hobby-type things. My website features some of those hobbies like food recipes, book reviews, photography that some have told me, borders on the frameworthy, and interesting videos from my broadcast past. When you visit jimbrandstatter.com, you can explore them all. Let me know what you think on the Contact Me page. In the meantime, check out my YouTube channel, The Brandy Show, and become a subscriber. I also have a Facebook page and Twitter account if that's more your style. So keep an eye on those social media sites for details on new episodes of my podcast, Conversations With. I'll let you know when they're up and ready to go. Thanks again for joining us on Conversations With.